Put paste and delay creates. Part of it was just based out of pure, like, I am so sick of like being injured and not reaching my potential. And I'm just sitting here like, gosh, I just haven't been able to put together a sustained effort to really maximize what I think I'm capable of doing from a running perspective. I just haven't done it. And that has weighed on me for a very long time. That was the foundation of all. That's Matt Chittam of the Rambling Runner podcast. If you want to run faster as you get older, then you should listen to this episode of Master of Some. Let's go. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Aaron So, a.k.a. D-Lake. Tips and tactics, you could train like a pro. This cast to help you run faster than you could go. All the PRs you could beat, your course records that comes in your upcoming season. Right. Don't you agree? Endurance sports, a metaphor for life. That's that metaphor, baby. Eating clean so you can rest and sleep all night. Don't master a lot. Don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none. Just be a master of some. What is up? As stated in the intro, I'm Darren and sometimes go as D Lake. Your host of Master of Some, the internet's most exciting health and fitness podcast. We tell people's endurance sports stories so they can master some of the health, some of the fitness, and even some of their life. It's all the same. We also want to show you how to perform better as you get older. And we do all that through podcast conversations and stories. A few things before we start. First, based on that intro, you could tell that we do not take ourselves too seriously. Think audio meme or crazy YouTube explainer videos. There's a bunch of music, sound effects, internet samples, and jokes. We also use some adult bad language. Endurance sports are fun, and the podcast listening experience should be too. Second, this was created in Sydney, Australia. Because of that, we acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Euro Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land. We pay our respects to the elders past, present, and future. Last, this show is accessible and has a transcription. Go to the show notes or masterofsomepod.com slash show notes to find the transcription PDF. A quick overview of what to expect in this episode. First, I'll do an intro of the guest. Next, we'll move into the warm-up set with some fun, fast questions. Then it's the main set based around the theme of the podcast title. Last, we'll wrap it with a cool-down section to get to know the guest more outside of health and fitness. In this episode, we focus on how the podcast host, Matt Chittam of the Rambling Runner podcast, is documenting his journey to get a personal record before the big 4-0. Matt's journey is interesting. I'll let him put it in his own words, as it's based around a very personal answer to the very curious question of, If I dedicate myself for a full year and go all in as much as I can, while at the same time not stepping away from my parental duties and my professional duties and anything along those lines, how good can I be putting all that stuff together? A bit about Matt Chittam. He helps amateur runners reach their potential through his podcast and blog. He's a run coach with McCurdy Trained Runners. The Rambling Runner podcast is always in the top 10 of USA Sports Podcast. He's a master interviewer. Seriously, check out his podcast. His podcast has had a slew of amazing runners, including world-famous Bart Yazzo, author Matt Fitzgerald, basketball player turned pro runner Marquise Bowden, USA track and field star Olivia Baker, YouTube reviewer Jameson Michael, and that's all just to name a few. So many more people on there. In this episode, we speak on how his journey might be similar to a lot of people out there with injuries over the past few years, not allowing him to get to his potential. He ends up telling an amazing story about endurance running history that I I didn't even know about, how white people and brands can do better for the BIPOC endurance athletic community, his 2021 virtual summit, accountability through showing the world his journey via his podcast and blog, how it felt to be injured while talking to other runners on his podcast, I could only imagine. For parents, there's some tools and tactics to staying on track while training with kids. Interesting facts about his mom and dad and how they helped him get to where he is with his fitness. What he'll do if he doesn't make it. Spoiler, it's all about the journey and much, much more. And without further babbling, on to the conversation. But first, let's get to know Matt a bit more with a new segment called... The Five, five Furious Fast and Furious Fantasy. I'll be up in the gym just working on my fitness facts five fast and furious fitness facts that's five f's too i really like that uh aka get to know your local corner store master of some because you know we're just hanging out at the corner store and you're like i want to know more about you this is what this this podcast uh segment is for 
What runner, dead or alive, would you want to go for an easy one-hour run with? Okay, two runners. Uh, dead would be Emil Zatopek, because that guy is an absolute legend. People don't know him. Look him up. His first marathon ever was at the Olympics after winning the 5K and 10K, and then he won the marathon in his first one ever. Just an absolute legend. And like, not only was he the best in the sport during his era by a by literal and figurative mile, but in addition to that, he was also the nicest guy in his sport in his era, which is like such a unique combination. If I could pick someone living, it would be Allison Felix. Well, I'm going to definitely research uh, Emil. Google that. You hyped him up. And uh, <laughs> I love when people get really energetic <laughs> about it. I'm like, now I got to check that out. So, yeah, I'm going to definitely uh, YouTube him. He used to do 400-meter-ish 400 400 type fartlek workouts on off 400 meters on 40 meters off in the snow in the woods in russia while he was while he was in the army so he'd actually wear his army boots and would do it in the forest wow that was a, that was a typical training workout for him um and again just to kind of whet your appetite it's like this guy is absolutely insane I mean, you could look at his times then this is you know we're talking you know almost a century ago so if you look at his times and compare it now, like they're not going to be the same as like the best elite runners now. This is supposed to be a fast answer. This is not a fast answer. <laughs> Mills Hotspeck ran a lot faster than I'm talking about him. But in terms of you, you can only judge people on their era. And in, in his era, he was a legend. Fair. Now, I'm, it's apples and oranges. You can't go like Elgin Baylor. I know, you know you're a basketball player. Uh, but oh, yeah. You can't go like, all right, was Michael Jordan better than Elgin Baylor, who was actually who he based his game off of? And it's like totally different games, you know? And, and the whole LeBron, right. Kobe, Jordan thing, like, yeah, to, I totally get it. And you just got to respect it for what it was. So, all right, next one. How has the podcast, Rambling Runner, helped your actual running? It's helped keep me accountable. Now, with that said, I am not better right now than when I started the show. But usually that's because of the injuries that have affected me, which kind of laid the groundwork for Mastering 40. So we'll get into that later. But ultimately, if I'm going to talk about running twice a week for th over three years now, I better get running. Fair, fair. I, I absolutely agree with that. So next one, you have on your podcast, a diverse cast of runners. Um, and I absolutely applaud you for that. So what's one thing that white people and white brands, you know, and companies, and it's a, it's a loose term and, but it's more like runner's world. They had a whole big thing. Like they don't have, you know, any people of color on their, on their, um, their covers. And I think they changed that cause it was a big black backlash around June, July. So what do you think brands and just people in general can do to better serve BIPOC endurance athletes and better represent them in the mainstream? Yeah, I mean, it's a loaded question for sure. Um, I guess I guess I would say this is that, um, first of all, just just start doing it. I mean, I, I think ultimately there seems that I feel like people start to view this as like there's a barrier to entry here where there just isn't. Right. You just talk to people. You have them tell their stories. You have them tell you know where they've been, what they're doing, where they help, where they hope to go. If you do that with somebody, you're going to get these through lines that connect people, even if they have very divergent backgrounds or current circumstances. What we hope to do in our lives aren't really that different, even if we have differences in terms of where we come from, who we are and the circumstances of our lives. I think ultimately when we sit down and talk to people, once we get through those things, which are very important to, all right, what do you want to do with your life? What kind of impact do you want to have on the people around you, on the people that you hope to have around you in the future? And those sorts of things, it can really be a galvanizing thing. It can bring people together and there can be a lot of unification there. And it also sets the stage to then look back on what someone's done in the past or the circumstances of their past and say, wow, like we, there, there is so much unification here that's possible if we don't get hung up on feeling like, oh, but I don't know how, or, but what if my audience won't like that? Or what if, what if, what if, what if just, knock it off. You know, I think a lot of the people who have that sort of hang up or they, they feel like they, they're, they're not sure if they should do that or something along those lines are the same people who would espouse those virtues in the ballot box. And I'm just saying, just live that life as opposed to, you know, championing it on social media or maybe voting for it, just live it. And ultimately you're going to be better for it personally 
And if you do that, then we'll have, I think, a broader reach uh, generally. Yeah. And and I definitely agree. I like the way you you, you said just do it. It's very uh, <laughs> very Nike. Uh, but right. no, it's I'm true. wearing Tracksmith right now. If anyone cares, yeah. You know, <laughs> Actually, you know what? That's the next question. Someone will steal all of your Tracksmith gear and make you run in old baggy basketball shorts. So you have to pick one. All right. Would you ra- <laughs> would you rather do uh, uh would you rather do a VO2 max workout or would you rather do a tempo workout? Oh God, um, it's funny. I mean, the, ultimately, I would want to do a VO2 max workout okay. because I feel like, at least I know when it's going to end to some degree. It's when I when I when I stop breathing. I feel like a tempo ends. Like I feel I feel like it's going to end, and then it's like the David Goggins effect. It's like, nope, you're only forty percent there. Like David when David Goggins came up with the forty percent rule, he had tempo runs in mind, mm-hmm. and for that reason and that reason alone, I choose the VO2 max test. Just just go out and you're like, I'm just going to absolutely hammer myself. Yeah. Whereas like the tempo runs, like you're like, all right, well, I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not really going to go to the well here. All right. I'm not going to like really be crushed myself. This isn't like repeat four hundreds with like a 100 meter walk. And then I'm doing 20 of these suckers. Right. Like I feel like a tempo run can get in your head. Be like, all right, like I can handle this. It's only 20 or 30 minutes. Like th- this isn't going to be that big of a deal. And then you're 15 minutes in and you're like, what is going on? Yeah. 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 I, I definitely, I come from more of a speed uh, background, just like you. And every single time I start the tempo, I'm like, I'm going too slow. I'm going to, and then I get 10 minutes. And I'm like, eh. and then it's, and I'm like, Oh my God, this burns. And then I'm, and it's usually slightly slower than my race pace. So I'm like, how did I do this in a race? How did I do this in a race for 40 minutes? So I start getting all in my head. Absolutely agree with you. VO2 max all, all day long. Um, <laughs> all right. Last one. As you get older, what does the word consistency mean to you as a runner? Um, it's, it's a long, it's a long-term thing. You can't view it in the short term. Uh, missing a run here and there ultimately is not going to have an effect on your running. It just doesn't. Uh, but running consistently for six months and then taking two months off will have an enormous impact on your running. So I would say when you talk about consistency, if you run, again, if you look at it in the aggregate and you say, hey, I missed 10% of my runs over a year. It's two very different things. If those 10% were all smashed together in this big gap of time, like that's probably going to affect you. Whereas if it's sprinkled here and there, it really won't. And I think that's what's ultimately affected my running several times in my life is, you know, really just taking this like the same, basically the same, the same tactics I used when I was, you know, in high school trying to study. Instead of like keeping up with things over the course of the semester, I would like just try to smash it at the end and try to really make it work. Sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. But ultimately, I would have been much better served kind of pacing it out <laughs> a little bit at a time and then really getting it down. And uh, I think there are times where I have not done that in my running and I have paid for it every single time. Yeah, running, it's really like I feel like running is one of those things that tells a lot of cyclists. I'm like, uh, I coach a cyclist and he went out and just rode like, you know, 40 miles and hadn't ridden. And I was like, you can do that running's not as forgiving. I was like, cycling, you can do that. I was like, running, you decide to go out and run 20 miles after not running for three months, you will pay for that, you know, in a week or two. So I think running consistency is extremely important. So I I agree with you there. Um, We're going to end it there. I've got a million questions. Want to go into the main set. So uh, thank you for playing. Congratulations. Warm up complete. Ah, damn. Okay. Yeah. This is that spot, that awkward spot where most podcasts do the, if you like this episode, then you should follow us sales pitch. And while I'm usually contrarian and go left when everyone else goes right, if you like this episode, then you should follow us on whatever app you listen to and hit that subscribe or follow button like you punch hills in all of your training. Yes, do it now, please. This is so that we can help serve the world with dope stories that help people race and train better as they get older. Oh, and after that, why not share a link to a friend of your favorite episode? Yes, right now. Go do it. We'll wait. On to the next set based around the topic of this podcast, but right after the ad break. This episode was brought to you by Most Coach. We show you as you get older how to perform better in health, fitness, wellness, endurance sports, and life. We're all getting older, so rather than being like most humans on the earth and declining, 
why not be better, stronger, smarter, faster, and more wise than the 10 years ago version of yourself? Our NLP trained coaching experience will help you live your best life through habits and intentional decision making. Go to masterofsomepod.com slash coach or email us talk at delaycreates.com, spell the normal way, to book a free consultation call today. Main set. On to the main set with Matt, where we speak more in depth on Mastering 40, where he's at, what led him to it, and where he's going after. Hey, Matt. So how's everything going, man? Thanks for coming on to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. You know, I, I record so many of my own and yet I, I barely get to talk about myself and what's going on. Uh, I'm so excited to talk with you here today. And uh, you're doing such great work. I mean, for people who don't know, you're like, on, I've been on a lot of podcasts. Just like, but what we did before we started recording shows that you're a true professional. I'm just so excited for this. This is like really like prime the pump for me to really get it going. But I appreciate it, man. I really appreciate the enthusiasm. And um, I've honestly been trying to get you on for for a while. And uh, I know based on what's been going on that, you know, it's just hasn't happened, but we're on it right now. So uh, let's just get into it. How did it feel to be injured and talking to all those runners on your podcast? Uh, well, like I, you talked about it a bit, I know in... Uh, I think it was episode three of Mastering 40. But um, like, what was that feeling like? I want to get kind of the nitty gritty because I could imagine how frustrating that could be. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It, it's actually more frustrating to be coming back from the injury than the injury itself because the injury itself, there's some sort of like, that can be galvanizing. It's like, oh, you hurt your knee? I got a hurt knee. Like, oh, you can't run because this. Oh, I can't run because of this. All of a sudden, we're in the same boat. Like, we were, we've been there, right? The harder part is like, hey, I'm doing walk run for six weeks to come back. Check me now, right? It's like, it's not enjoyable. It's not fun. And it's not something that ultimately I want to discuss. So that was exactly why I wanted to start this whole thing was to try to like, you know, get over that, at least for my own personal self. So, you know, the, the hard part for me was, trying to connect with these runners in a way that first of all, I'm not trying to be the show. They're the show. In addition to that, it's like, you know, especially if I'm talking to somebody who like, I have like a pretty you know long relationship with who I've been, you know, been, you know, you know, commenting back and forth and we've known each other for a long time. Cause I've had some people on this show who were like, you know, three or four years ago, we were the same running wise. So we were in the same times and they're coming to the show. They're like, Hey, you just broke three hours in the marathon. Right. And we're talking and like the thing that's unsaid between us was like, hey, what are you doing, Matt? Like, <laughs> we were the same two years ago. Uh, you're not you're not really there. In fact, you're going in the other way. Um, so you you get that every once in a while. And it definitely can amplify the menace of imposter syndrome. And you just kind of try to forget about it. Right. You just kind of, you know, um, you know, tamp it down because ultimately a lot of people have been in similar circumstances. And if that's the, if that's the hardest part of my life, then I'm living a pretty privileged life. Yeah. 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 Um, that that's the imposter syndrome is, is a tough one. And I, you did talk about that, but, um, I think you pushed through it. Well, you either faked it till you made it or, uh, you know, you, you, you compartmentalized your yourself as like podcaster journalist, um, which by the way, you're an amazing journalist like your, your questions and the way you pivot with the, you did it with Matt Fitzgerald phenomenal um that last question and even he was like damn good question when you hear a good question from a journalist it's like yeah <laughs> from a writer well, let me tell you this let me tell you this one though because the hardest part for me was when I when I started the virtual race series in the spring because I was coming back from like not running now all of a sudden we're having like this podcasting series where everyone like we're, we're, we're you know there's basically four teams two people to a team and it's like me and mario are a team and then we got these other you know, Lindsay hines there lauren's there and the hard part was is that like i'm with mario so he's like the best runner i'm the slowest and then you we're like combining the times but like your cross-country race to see who's going to be like the best team and i'm like by far the worst. I'm not even close <laughs> to people. And even the 5K, it was so demoralizing because like I'm the one putting it out. So then I'm like hyping up like how the races went, which was basically me hyping my own deficiencies, which was one, some of the harder content I've had to put out. Yeah, yeah, fair. Well, I mean, you're great with being vulnerable. So I don't know, like you you really put it out there and I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. And I think obviously everyone that's listening to you, not, there's not too many people that are also into podcasting. I'm definitely in the weird niche 
uh, of it all. But I'm like, wow, you're you're doing it very well, and and that's something to to look up to. So again, you 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 did the whole injured while talking to people extremely well. Props for that. Uh, what's a similar thread that you see as a coach that hurts new runners? Because you obviously are coaching people. What do you see that that's that's similar in that in that vein? So here's where I'm going to be hypocrite because I have a timeline on the Mastering 40. Um, but ultimately, I think that people having timelines to their goals, they, that can be the biggest issue. I think goals are great. I think having long-term goals that are maybe more audacious, short-term goals, process goals, progress goals. I think that if appropriately applied, those can all be very valuable for a number of reasons. I think where it can start getting tricky is if you have uh, progress goals. So process goals are like, you know, I want to run six times a week. I want to, you know, do six two-hour runs in my next marathon buildup, right? So those are process goals. If you have progress goals, like, hey, like me, like, I want to break 40 in the 10K by next summer, right? Attaching a timeline to a goal can be really tough because all of a sudden it can lay the groundwork for not only potentially overtraining, but ultimately it can kind of go the other way where progress isn't happening the way someone wants it to happen on some sort of preconceived notion of a timeline that can be very demoralizing, can really tamp down the motivation, um, which shoot, we're in winter right now. We're just starting winter here in North America. And, you know, I did a run today and it was 21 degrees wind chill, Right. And that was with the sun out. Right. Like it was also windy. Like it was not was not so excited when I stepped out the door, right? So if I'm sitting there like, oh, my training isn't going the way I want it to, like that can be tough, right? It just makes that makes that first step out the door a little bit harder. So I would say it's great having goals, have them, but try to divorce them from any sort of timeline. Or if you do have a timeline, be understand that that can be, you know, write your timeline in pencil. And if you don't have a pencil, write it in sand. Do not write it in ink or cement. That, that's a really interesting way of putting it because um, I, I fall victim to that and I'm always like, you know, I'm going to do it in this time and I get really stressed. Um, I've I always said it's slightly ambitious. I'm the type of person that uh, I get motivated by what I did and I have a friend that gets motivated by what he can do um, mm. or what he hasn't done. And I realize it's like kind of the same, same. But, you know, if I get like a tiny bit, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you know, basically – I'm doing a, over the next 10 years, well, I'm in year four right now, uh, I'm trying to get 1% better in the half marathon. That's my long-term goal because a lot of things happen. I ended up gaining weight about three, four years ago. I didn't know I gained weight. I never actually checked my biomarkers and all those things. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to get 1% better. And you know, I started running the math, and I was like, all right, this is going to get me to here. And because of, of, of all that, I was able to then go, all right, I need shorter-term goals, shorter-term goals here and there. But um, I, I, I never, I, I didn't think about it actually hurting me and that you, you can actually see gains, but it might be more ebbs and flows. So this is me actually working out what you just said. You're like a, a therapist right now. And I'm like, <laughs> like, wow. But um, that, that's, that, that's, that's really, really interesting. I actually, I have issues when I plan my training week and I have a, you know, I have a one and a half year old. I know you have kids that are a bit older. Basically, whenever they get sick or something happens with my kid, it de derails my whole training plan. And I get quite upset. So I know that just happened to you. What are some tools and tactics that you use to deal with uh, like a crazy schedule change? Mm -hmm. All right. I'd say the first thing here, and this is the one that's hardest for me, is communicating with your partner. Okay? Because this is something, again, I am speaking from experience. And when I say experience, I'm talking about today. <laughs> is that, you know, this happens to me not just any day. It happened today. Is the idea of expecting your partner to be able to read your mind, not only about what you want to do today, but when you want to do it. So your partner is probably going to be receptive to the things that you want to do, especially if it's like, hey, I want to stay healthy. I want to go for a run, right? Maybe you can't do the full workout you were planning, or maybe instead of doing your hour run, you're going to run for 40 minutes or half an hour, right? Like there's ways to mitigate the damage or not the damage, but maybe mitigate um, the complete loss of the day and get something in. But ultimately, if you keep it to yourself and you just have it inside of you and it's just kind of like lingering and then it causes some resentment and then it's, 
you do like, all right, well, you know, you do like the, the baby's sick. I don't want to mess with that. And I don't want to be mad. I'm now mad that I'm getting mad. And he just, it can just be this snowball is growing, growing, growing. And ultimately I think if you're able to communicate with your partner, if you have one um, in these situations, ultimately there's some, there's usually something that, that can work. All right. So that's the first thing. Second thing is it's not, I'm doing the workout that's planned or it's nothing. It's almost never that black and white. It's always some sort of gray area there. Um, whether it's, hey, I'm going to run half the time that I was planning on running. Or like, hey, I'm, I want to, you know, I was hoping to do a workout today. Well, then maybe like you're going to do a shorter warm up and cool down. And maybe instead of doing six half mile repeats, you do four, right? Um, or something like that. Or maybe you're like, you know what? Forget the cool down. <laughs> I'm just going home after the workout. Um, I've done that many times, even if I wasn't busy. Um, and <laughs> there, there are plenty of things that you can do to, to mitigate that. Or you just say, you know what? That's it. I'm just going to do a hit workout at home. I'm just going to 10 minutes of burpees, whatever, right? Like I'm just going to get the heart rate. I'm just going to get it going. So I would say communicate with your partner. If you have one in those situations, especially if it's like a baby involved, if it's a little bit more generalized in terms of, Hey, I'm just having a time issue here. Don't view it as I'm sticking to the schedule or nothing. There's always going to be something in the middle that you can do to be active. And, you know, the last thing here is that, hey, how many how many top triathletes are really good runners? All of them. That's why they're top triathletes. <laughs> Let me tell you this. They run probably as about about as many miles as you do. Why? Because they're also swimming and they're also biking. And yet they are some of the best runners in the world. All right. So don't be afraid that cross training is going to hurt your running. It's not. It's just not. Especially if you're going to say, I'm not going to cross train. I'm going to do nothing instead. Drew, that, that, that's, uh, that's a good play on um, James Clear. His, uh, you know, I call him the habits, habits king. And um, he, he has something like there's no zero days. And I, you know, I, I really always say like, even if it's five minutes, you know, of doing something like, are you supposed to do a quality workout that day? Burpees, just like you said, um, because doing nothing is the worst thing you could do and, and getting out the door and literally doing something is always better than nothing. And let me say this. There are, there are plenty of times for rest days. We're talking about like, I'm ready to run. I'm not overtrained. I've had enough sleep, right? Like all of a sudden, you know, this is not one of those things where like, Hey, I need a rest day. Should I push myself? We're saying, okay, no, you're ready to go but your schedule is the impediment, not lack of sleep or something like that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like, all right, you know, I have, I have one cheat day a week. It's like, that's the day I'm going to eat garbage. And I, tr I don't, I, I try not to eat garbage any other day because I'm like, I am. So if anything I do is, you know, resting or anything else, it's like, I've planned to do that. It's not because I, I was like, Oh, I don't feel like doing the actual thing. So full, fully in agreement with you there. So what were your parents like in regards to their endurance sport, health, fitness background? So my dad was a good high school football player, uh, went to college and played one year of college football at a small school uh, in upstate New York, um, but was really a sprinter background. So he ran the 100, he ran the 200, his four by one, I think was all Western Mass, all Western Massachusetts, which is like a big deal in, 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 uh, in that state. Um, and you know, if you're, if you're you know, the top, top four by one team in Western Mass, that's your, your high quality athletes. So that was a big deal, uh, for him. And my mom wasn't an athlete, just wasn't. So, uh, but, but ultimately my dad didn't start getting into, um, into endurance sports until after he quit smoking. So he quit smoking when I was in like fifth or sixth grade. So he was two packs a day, um, quit smoking and basically started running to as basically a trade. So, you know, he basically started running then. And then I would tag along at his 5K. So he'd go do a 5K and then I would be like, oh, I want to go too. So I would, I did that uh, again, found a fifth, sixth, seventh grade um, and did that. But ultimately uh, they didn't really have an endurance background. Cool. So you, you jumped in. I know I heard a bit about that in the, um, in, you were talking with the psychologist um, and you did speak a bit about your, your dad. Uh, that, that's really interesting. That how, how do you think that affected you with your mom not being active was that just like a normal thing women weren't active and guys were do you think that you just accepted no because it was it wasn't it wasn't a big deal in our family um because it wasn't like it wasn't as if she had like regret about not being active right so she wasn't active but it's because she didn't want to be like she just yeah. wasn't into it 
So that was her choice. So it wasn't as if there was like this repressed feeling of like, hey, I wish I could do X, Y, Z. But the way our family structure worked out has made it this impossibility or something along those lines. That just wasn't her style. It just was. She just wasn't that kind of person. She wasn't that kind of person growing up. She just wasn't that person. Then she's not that kind of person now. She's an extremely like go getter type. So she like at age like 50 went and got like her uh, real estate license and then like transitioned to like going full time in real estate. And I think it was even later than that, when she was 60 and then she did that. And now she's like full time real estate now. So I'm 39. My mom had me when she was 30. Um, so she's almost 70 years old now. And she's like busier than she ever, ever has been. So she's yeah. just kind of like that. Um, but ultimately, um, she was very supportive of my athletic pursuits. One hundred percent, like one hundred percent between her and my dad. They were always they were they were totally into it. Uh, my dad uh, had a busier work life, especially when I was little. Um, he basically commuted like two hours one way to work. So he wasn't around a lot uh, during the week. Like I basically see him like you know after dinner. He would leave around four thirty in the morning, and then he'd come back around dinner. So I mean, I'd see him plenty, but it was like you know, my mom was like kind of raising us in the middle of the day type stuff. Uh, but she was always into it for sure. And then I grew up in a neighborhood with like kids everywhere. Yeah. Just and I mean, kids our age. Yeah, they were like I'm not even kidding. Within. 400 to 600 meters of my house, there were 12 kids my age, which is insane. I mean, we didn't live in an urban area. This wasn't like we lived in this big apartment building and there was just a lot of people that close to me. We lived in a suburban neighborhood and there were that many kids. So we were just always active, period. That's cool. Yeah, it was the same. Um, I could totally relate. It was the same. I, I lived in a dense apartment in, in, in Queens, New York City. Um, but I just remember all the kids being together and we would like play basketball or we'd like play football. And that that was what I did, you know, pretty much every day. Um, and I'd, I'd say that definitely laid the foundation. So that, that it's one of those things where it is nurture versus nature and your environment and all that. And that just getting out and sprinting, you know, as a kid, that's huge for you. And, and you're running for them and all these other things. And that leads you to, to other sports. So um yeah, that's, that's really cool. I, I really do love your journey. And um, like I was saying before, uh, I feel like people overestimate what they can do in a day and they underestimate what they can do in a decade. It's kind of a saying. Um, I'm on my 1% journey, as I said, to get faster in the half marathon every year. Every year, 1% over 10 years. And then it can compound over 10 years. Um, you're on a one-year journey. What was the spark? And wh- like, why did you want the round number? So I, I know that like, I know that it was a round number. Um, it's, it's a slightly, it's not a loaded question, but it's a big question because um, why did you pick it? And then also, why was it the 10K and not the half marathon or the full marathon or a 5K? Yeah. So first of all, part of it was just based out of pure, like, I am so sick of like being injured and not reaching my potential. And I'm just sitting here like, gosh, I just haven't been able to put together and a sustained effort to really maximize what I think I'm capable of doing from a running perspective. I just haven't done it. And that has weighed on me for a very long time. So that kind of was the foundation of all of it. So it was the summer. I'm like, all right, what's going to happen now? And it was kind of like, all right, as a, someone who's, you know, trying to be creative within this space, uh, road to the Olympic trials, the other podcast I was doing had just come to an end, uh, in the, in the fall, I'm sorry, in, in, um, in the, in the late winter, early spring and you know, the, the Olympics had come, had gotten postponed. So I'm like, what am I going to do here? I want, and then I'm like, all right, I want to do something big. I want to get to this next level as a runner. Do I document it? Or is it just something that I do? Right. So I reached out to a bunch of people. Um, I was doing a different kind of uh, listener survey, but I actually talked to 50 dedicated listeners to the podcast, um, which was exhausting. It was like, it was like a really busy two weeks. I was talking, talking to a lot of people during that time. And I really enjoyed the conversations. And the last, the last question of every conversation was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Is this something that I should publicize or is this something that you wouldn't care about? And I was like, that, that's, that's what I want to hear. That's, that's what I want to do. And that's what every single person said. And these people were all very different level of abilities and backgrounds and all this stuff. But each person was like, that's what I want to do. I want you to put that out so that I can learn from the people you're talking to because I want to do the same thing. So that was kind of how it came together. And then from a decision on, all right, well, what what's the goal going to be? 
and uh, in terms of what race am I going to do, what distance, and then what time it seems appropriate. So the idea was to come up with a stretch goal, not something that I could, you know, if I was consistent, I'd easily get. Um, so there's, I hate the marathon. I'm just not. I'm wasn't going to do the marathon. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I, oh my God. I, I, I feel like I'm the weird guy saying, you know, like everyone's mom is fat or something. Like I, every time I'm like, why is everyone so hung up on a marathon, man? Like, and I've done, I've done three and two of them were horrendous. And, uh, it was just like, it, the marathon is a whole other beast. And every time someone jumps into running, I want to do a marathon. I'm like, how about the 5k? How about the 5k first? How about get really good at the 5k? And that, that I promise you that training will carry over to your half marathon or marathon. I promise you. So yeah, keep going. I'm right. Done. And I might do the marathon again, but ultimately I needed to get, I needed to do something else. I just was not excited about doing the marathon. So then I was like, okay, what can I do? I have just, I just haven't done a lot of 10ks. I just haven't. So um, there's just not as many around here either. Um, you know, I live in New England, live in Rhode Island, uh, in the United States, and it, you know it's just not a typical distance for a lot of races. A lot of you'll see a ton of five Ks, and then you'll see it every once in a while ten K. So for me, it was kind of like uncharted territory. And then the tiebreaker for me was just the symmetry of the numbers. Frankly, I was like, okay, a stretch goal for me would be to break forty minutes. So I've broken twenty minutes in the five K. Uh, several times I've, you know, based, I haven't broken 19, but I've come very, very close to broken, like breaking 19 when I was at my best from a fitness perspective. So I, you know, if I had run a 10 K at that time, I could have gotten close to 40. This was when I was at my absolute pinnacle of fitness. So I was like, all right, that might be the best goal to get there. Like, can I get back to my best and then maybe a little bit more? And then if I were to do that, then the 10 K at 40, getting a time of 40 or breaking 40 would be right in that mix for sure. Uh, so I guess that's kind of how it all coalesced. That, that's, that's a great, why, why not? I mean, it all makes sense. And that's a very, very nice, you know what? It's funny you say that about the 10 K cause um, it is a weird one. And um, there aren't, I was thinking about that. There's actually only like a few 10 Ks around here and Australia, we, like we've got some super fast runners. Like I, I was not expecting them. I wasn't really an endurance athlete until I came down here. Um, triathletes, they crush it because they swim. Everyone swims here. Everyone's a fish. Uh, cyclist is crazy here. So it makes sense. And they're running like the, the, the amateur mid pack is so damn fast here. And they like, there's a 10 K and it's a very hilly city and there's this flat 10 K. And, um, I just remember like being really excited about it and realizing that there weren't a lot of 10 K. So, um, it, it is an odd distance. Well, here's the thing too, is that we talked we, we, before we were banging on tempo runs, but basically the 10 K is a tempo run, which is like, why do I do? Why am I doing this to myself? Kind of feel. Uh, so no. So what are you gonna do? But it's um, it's funny. But you, you going back to you mentioned you're in Australia. You know the you know, kind of the master of the five k, ten k for a long time was Ron Clark. You know, a real an Australian legend back in the day. I mentioned Emil Zatopek. You know, right off the jump from in this podcast, one of the the best things that Emil Zatopek ever did, what he was known for was he, him and Ron Clark uh, at, at a certain point in their careers overlapped and he got to become very close with Ron Clark and Ron Clark, as you might know, like was kind of like, he was, what was the nickname? The bloke that choked because he just wasn't able to, to get the Olympic gold, but he was the best runner of his generation yeah. for this very long time. So Emil Zatopek flies out of, um, you know, he was in the, it was an Eastern Bloc country. Mm-hmm. And so he flies out. He actually, oh no, I'm sorry. Ron Clark visited him. This is mm-hmm. what it was. Ron Clark visited him, comes visit his house. At this point, Emil had kind of like not done what the government had wanted to do in terms of being like a propaganda tool. So he like was living this really hard scrabble life. Like this, like, you know, basically like it, he wasn't this, but it was basically the equivalent of like being like a janitor at mm-hmm. like an all night gig. You know, this was the guy who was you know, a legend in his own time. Now, all of a sudden, he's, you know, 65 years old and he's, you know, living this hard scrabble life because he wouldn't be a propaganda tool. Ron Clark visits him in an Eastern Bloc country. And then as he's leaving, Emil gives him this huge hug and he hugs him and he holds him real tight. And he says, and he whispers to him, he goes, it's because you earned it. It's because you earned it. And Ron thought it was he was referring to this hug, this embrace between their, these competitors. And he, did, he didn't realize until he got to the airport was that, Emil had slipped him his gold medal. I think it was the, the 10,000 meter. And, oh, said, wow. and that's what he was referring to. Is that it's because you deserved it. So he slipped it to him. Um, and then Ron Clark you know, brought it home with him to Australia. 
Wow, that's a cool story. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, man, that's really cool. All right, you know what's crazy? Um, I'm very, very not Australian, even though I'm a citizen here. Um, I, I didn't know who Ron Clark is. Google that. Uh, speaking of Ron Clark and choking, I went to high school with uh, Alan Webb. And um, I don't know if you remember. He was around our age. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was maybe. Alan yeah, Webb, that's like, he's my age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So um, I went to, I actually beat him when I was 12. I beat him in a two mile race. Um, and it's only because he, he went the wrong way. Yeah, that's actually a really cool story. Thank you for, for sharing that, man. I feel like you have a lot of those stories. All right. Let's talk about the future. Question. This is kind of a psychological question. What happens if you don't make it? Um, well, I guess it depends on how it happens. Right. So say I get injured, then it's like, oh gosh, like, what am I going to talk about on these podcasts? Um, but say everything goes well and I just don't accomplish it, right? See, I get close and don't get it. Well, that's just the way it goes, man, right? I mean, if it was preordained, it wouldn't be captivating, right? Yeah. That's the whole idea of having a stretch goal, right? And so if it was if it was a certainty, then none of this would matter. So the idea that I might not make it is kind of baked into the whole endeavor because if it wasn't, it wouldn't be remarkable in terms of, and by that, I mean, no one would remark about it. Yeah. It would just be whatever, who cares? Um, so, uh, so I think ultimately, yeah, that might happen, but I'm, if I can go through this and improve and improve and improve and then to kind of lay the groundwork for, Hey, I just put in a good solid year of effort here then let's keep it going, right? I, I think ultimately the, the goal for me is to is to reach my running potential. I have not in my life. I don't even think that I've come close to doing it. So for me, I want to keep getting there. So I don't think breaking 40 is necessarily reaching my potential either. I don't think 30, 39, 59 is the limit. I just refuse to believe that whether it's true or not, we'll see. So I think ultimately, I think that's a step along the path, maybe a significant step, but that's just a step along the path. So whether I get there or not, I don't think that it's going to ultimately change the fact that I'm going to set a new goal. I'm going to try to figure out what I want to do next. I'm going to have some short-term goals, short-term goals and some long-term goals. And ultimately I want to be able to take advantage of this 12 month period that I'm going through to set the stage for what comes next. Cool. That that's, that's a good segue into um, what, 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 what is next? So zooming out past the 10 K uh, any bigger race goals? Do you want, uh, do you want to do, well, you, obviously marathon isn't right now on your radar, uh, which is fair. Like is a half marathon is a 5k an ultra like, right. All right. So I've never, I haven't broken 19 and a half. I mean, in the half in the 5k, um, if I can go sub 40 in the 10 K, then I could probably go sub 19 in the, in the 5 K. Right. So for me, I'm, I'm like you, I'm much more of like a sprint background type. So if I, if, you know, so if I can do well at the longer distance, then I, then I got it for the shorter distances. So maybe it's like, Hey, can I get, how close to 18 can I get? Yeah. For the 5K, right? I'm talking about the things continue to go well. Uh, one thing I would love to do is break 130 and a half. Um, nice. One of the things I did at, at when I was really fit, one race that I did do was I ran a 132 and change half marathon, which I was, you know, was probably one of the best races of my life. So breaking that 130 mark, I think would be that was the other that was the other race I was considering for this endeavor was 40 in the 10K or 130 and a half, um, but I think that would be that would be a nice one as well. Um, so yeah, this is the final question, and uh, this is like a fun, fun sort of thing, but it, it can get serious as serious as you want it to be. You've been anointed, anointed uh, a true master of some. Congratulations, sir. Uh, <laughs> oh. Here we go. This is me doing the anointing on you. Um, I like to challenge, you know, jacks of all trades, uh, generalists like yourself, um, to focus on one thing every now and then. So what is one and only one thing that you would tell an amateur to focus on for gains as they age? Oh, this is simple because for me, I lived this life and I've lived this mistake so many times. And that is, it's not about how much you can fit into tomorrow and then having that exponential growth later. It's step by step 
you cannot skip a step and you cannot ride the escalator, right? You just have to go step by step. And if you're looking for a way to skip a step, you're going to end up falling back down on your ass. Wise words. Wise words from a wise man. Main set finished. Now onto the cool down with our next segment, Healthy, Wealthy, Creative, and Wise. It helps us get to know our guest a bit better outside the world of endurance sport, health, and fitness. Health is wealth. You better watch your diet. So just tell me one thing healthy that you've done in the last week or unhealthy. <laughs> so you could be like, oh, actually, was it? So we can look at this from both sides. It could be, you know, a polarized type thing. Yeah, no, for sure. All right. Um, let's see here. All right, unhealthy, yesterday, ran on the treadmill, wasn't sure when I'd be able to run, and then completely underfueled. I kept thinking I was about to run on the treadmill, and then I was about to run on the treadmill, and I was about to run on the treadmill, and then by the time I did, I had, like, nothing in my system. I was supposed to do for a 45-minute run. I went, like, 35 minutes. I went super slow. I completely bonked. It was completely embarrassing, and it was because I didn't fuel myself properly. Today, I ran at the same time, and I ran outside in the wind, in the cold, and I ran really, really well because this time I actually was able to roll with the punches, make wise decisions, and ultimately have a better run because of it. Well, congratulations for learning that. I, I, I love when, when you teach yourself something. <laughs> you think by age 39 I would have mastered that by now? Gosh darn it. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I do stupid things too all the time. So um, please, please don't be so, so hard on yourself. Security, comfort, rich. Easy money is a sucker's racket. What's something that, you know, is increasing your wealth? And wealth is in a lot of different ways. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on finance, but it can be in a lot of, you know, health is wealth. But I just asked healthy already, so I'm not going to ask you that again. Yeah, all right. So from a wealth perspective, I think when it comes to uh, the future with certain entrepreneurial, entre entrepreneurial inventors or endeavors, I'm always like looking at new stuff all the time. And I can say that right now I'm excited for 2021 because while I'm not going to announce anything right now, uh, I think certain things I think are um, exciting, you know, new exciting adventures are potentially on the horizon. And, you know, there's a couple a couple things that could end up happening. And even if just one of them come to fruition, I'm going to be really, really excited about it. So for me, I'm in some of the planning stages now, which a lot of people will do in December, usually later in December, after Christmas, people start planning for 2021. It's come a little early for me this year. I'm really excited about it. So while it may not bear fruit from a wealth perspective in the short term, I think at least from, you know, um, you know, impact on other people, it will certainly some, be something that I think will happen in 2021. So what's one thing creative or not creative that you've done? Man, so many, so many uncreative things. My God. Um, name, name one. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. I feel like, and this, this, this is the, the, the funny part about the podcast that I, you know, that amazes me is that we talk about the same themes all the time. And because each person is so different and tells their story differently and just has a different, you know, angle on pers and, and perspective on what they've done, we hit the same themes and it always feels so different. So it's yeah. so funny. I feel it fits into both of these categories. I feel like someone would be like, hey, you keep talking about people overcoming hurdles and people getting the most out of themselves or bounce back comeback stories. And at the same time, each one of those stories is so different. So like on some levels, like I'm not reinventing the wheel here on any level with any of these podcasts, but each person is so distinct and unique that it does feel that way at the same time. So I guess on some level, that one kind of, kind of touches both of those. That's good. That's good. Yeah. It's the people that make it. It's not the, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the vehicle that you're using, which is, you know, the questions in the podcast. It's actually the, the, the humans that make it. Here is the reason why. Do you realize the significance of this? All right, last one. One thing wise or, or stupid that you've, you've learned uh, in the last week, two weeks. <laughs> Just because you raise your voice to your kids doesn't mean they're going to listen to you any more than if you were talking regular. Gosh. Just parenting, man. Tell you, parenting. Um, you know, that's one of those things where it's like you sit there and you're like, I'm raising my voice now, so now they're gonna listen. No, it's not gonna have any effect at all. So how about you just be quiet, Dad, and try to figure out a new way of saying it? 
<laughs> Very wise words. Uh, I will take those on. My kids aren't that old yet. Oh, sorry, my one kid. Uh, but I, I know whenever he does something, uh, he, he can't understand, like, don't do that. He, and no means say no back to me and give me the finger. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, oh, man, this is going to get intense. So I, thank you for, for alerting me to, to try to be more zen-like with him. Make sure you go and check out Matt's virtual running summit at theramblingrunner.com slash summit. Also, go to the show notes for a link to some articles about my own journey to running faster as I get older. And as always, if you want to perform better as you age, don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none, just be a master of some. Add break. Is the health and fitness internet too much sometimes? Too many conflicting articles and videos that confuse you on how to train and eat right? Or you don't have time to just read and watch everything about, I don't know, the new trends on carb cycling for trail running. Don't worry, we'll take care of all that for you. Sign up for our free email newsletter, Three Thing Thursday. We'll put three perfectly curated and created things in your inbox for better living and training. Go to masterofsomepod.com slash TTT. We do the hard, time-consuming work and scour the health and fitness internet's deepest and darkest corners. This is so that every Thursday, you have a piping hot new email with the latest and coolest tips, tricks, tools, tactics, and skills. All so that you can train and live consistently to do dope shit in your next endurance event. If you sign up now, you can receive my quick guide on how to get healthy, stay fit, and use data to create habits that last a lifetime. That's masterofsomepod.com slash TTT to be inspired and motivated on the regular. Time, 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 time. Time is a resource no one can make more of. So we appreciate you taking your precious time out of your day to listen this far. Our goal is to show the world how to live better through endurance sports, health, and fitness. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate for you to go on whatever app you listen to and make sure to subscribe or follow Master of Some Endurance Podcast. Just type that in. We're on all the major podcast players, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. If you're feeling a little extra saucy, a rating, review, or share of the episode to anyone you know that would be into something like this would be amazing. The more people that hear about us, the doper stuff we can do to then help other people. And if that virtuous cycle continues, we'll always be grateful to you. So share a link to someone you know. If you have any questions, suggestions, concerns, or hell, you want to be on the show, hit us up. The best way is to email talk at delaycreates.com. We're also on all the socials, mainly Instagram, at DLakeCreates, spelled the normal way, or you can hit us up wherever you can find us. Last, this episode and music was created and produced by Podpaste and myself. So if you like any of the music, you can add it to your device playlist by going to masterofsomepod.com forward slash music. Don't worry if you didn't get all that. There's a bunch of links in the show note description. Thank you again for listening. Peace.